0: Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Salary and Contract Matters. This time we're going to look at fully guaranteed contact, contracts and whether um, collusion by NFL teams has been taking place. Um, recently, The Athletic uh, reported that the NFL PAs filed a grievance alleging that um, teams in the league colluded to prevent fully guaranteed contracts from being offered um, to players. NFL General Counsel Jeffrey Pash sent a memo on October 20th to club owners, club presidents, club general managers, and club. General Counsel for Subject System Arbitration Filing NFLPA Collusion Claim. Now, the memo reads that the NFLPA initiated a system arbitration proceeding before system arbitrator Christopher F. Droney, alleging that members of clubs and leagues have violated Article 17 of the uh, collective bargaining agreement. Now, the basis of the claim is that no other high, no other quarterback, high-profile player signed a flow guaranteed contract after Deshaun Watson, uh, the Browns' quarterback, got his um, contract last March? The NFL argues that the expectation was that flow guaranteed contracts would become the competition-driven norm for the top players in the league, including quarterbacks negotiating new contracts. Now, um, Pash explains in a memo that. The NFLPA doesn't provide the basis of their allegations in, in their grievance. He references the grievance or doesn't. Um, the grievance has not been made available to anybody. NFLPA um, further contends that before, during, and after a August 9th ownership meeting, and that's the meeting where the owners approved the uh, Broncos' change in ownership, that um, owners and league executives have discussed agreeing not to have any additional fully guaranteed contracts. The FLPA is not exercising its right to terminate the CBA, which you can if there's a proven violation of collusion, but is asked the arbitrator to award damages from its certain quarterbacks who've been adversely affected um, by the collusion to terminate their player contracts. Um, um, Pash also says in the memo that There shouldn't be any public comments from club personnel. So you won't hear NFL teams or anyone affiliated with NFL uh, front office out there uh, refuting these claims in public. Now, Sean Watson's contract was uh, quite surprising, a bombshell nobody expected. He signed a five-year fully guaranteed $230 million contract in connection with his trade from the... uh, Texans to the Browns, and he had four years left on his contract with $136 million. To me, that was one of the selling points for trying to trade for Deshaun Watson. You'd have him as a cost-contained quarterback at an average of $34 million per year. But that went out the window. Not only did uh, they give him the contract, it's the draft capital they gave up for him. Texans dealt Watson... And a 2024 uh, six-round pick to get the Browns' 22, 23, 24 first-round picks, 2022 fourth-round pick, a 2023 third-round pick, and a 2024 fourth-round pick. So, tr- quite a tremendous haul for this uh, for the, to get Deshaun Watson. Now, the reason Watson was able to get this contract is he had a perfect storm of situation. Now he had multiple teams that are interested in him in trading for him. He had a no-trade clause, so he had control of the process. So this isn't wasn't like your normal contract extension where you've got a player who's dealing in a closed system where it's, I get a deal done with my own team. If not, then I got a year or two years left on my contract and I keep playing. He was never playing for the Texans again. So he was, I guess, like a quasi-free agent. So you got multiple teams trying to get him, and he narrowed his choices down to the Falcons and the Saints. Browns had been eliminated, so Browns basically were like, what do we have to do to get you to reconsider? So they opened up the Brink's truck, and his agent, Dave Mulligata, smart enough to sense he had a lot of leverage in the situation, and was able to capitalize on Cleveland's desperation to get to somebody to get someone who had been a top five quarterback the last time he played for the Texans, which was a 2020 season since he sat out the entire 2021 season by mutual agreement. So he gets a contract, which is basically what NBA superstars get. You know, fully guaranteed contracts are the norm in the NBA. And you've got top NBA players signing fully guaranteed contracts for five years, over 200 million. So Watson was able to get that, and nobody saw that coming, uh, this type of contract. So certain quarterbacks that um, the NFLPA is probably talking about, I'm going to think it's limited to the quarterbacks which were uh, signed right after the Watson deal, namely Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. And it's probably applicable to Lamar Jackson, who didn't get a contract and is playing under his $23.016 million fifth-year option. You've also got Derek Carr, who signed the first big uh, quarterback contract extension after the Watson deal. But I don't think he's what the NFLPA is talking about in terms of certain quarterbacks because it seems like Carr made a conscious decision not to, to try to get a fully guaranteed contract. If you look at the contract he signed, it's a it's a three-year extension and it technically averages per year forty million four hundred seventy-four thousand one hundred and sixty dollars, just a shade under forty point five million. But it's the guarantees which tell you that there's no way he was looking for a fully guaranteed contract. There's only sixty five point three million in overall guarantees in this contract. Only 24.9 fully guaranteed to sign. Guarantees in this contract are less than the guarantees that he had in his first veteran contract extension um, that he signed in 2017. And that deal made Carr the first $25 million per year player. Um, the 2007 extension, which averaged $25 million per year, had $40 million fully guaranteed to signing and $70.2 million in overall guarantees. So, conscious effort. And Carr acknowledged um, in statements after the deal that he was trying to keep core players around, that he didn't want to be in a situation like he was in the last time. He uh, got an extension in 2017 where he lost what he called his best friend on the team, Khalil Mack. That they weren't able to re-sign him, and he even said at the time back then that he he didn't take every last dollar because he wanted them to re-sign Gabe Jackson and Khalil Mack. And Khalil Mack got traded in 2018. Um, I have a feeling if Reggie McKenzie still had full control, Gruden hadn't been um, brought in, and Jack Del Rio fired, that Khalil Mack gets the deal um, and is never traded. But Carr was trying to avoid that situation and structured his deal so they could keep core players around. And the proof was in the pudding that he got his wish that two guys that maybe in hindsight, the Raiders wish they hadn't have uh, signed to extensions given how the season's gone with their injuries and and productivity dropping uh, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller signed extensions. Now um, let's turn to Murray. Now, Kyler Murray wanted a uh, contract extension like yesterday um, his agent early in the offseason was putting out putting trying to put pressure on the team publicly to sign an extension and had that weird Instagram post um, <laughs> calling out the team now to me you're undercutting your leverage to get a fully guaranteed contract when you show that type of eagerness to get a contract extension nonetheless Murray did get a new deal uh, right around the start of training camp the new money exceeded Watson's new money he got 230.5 million in the new money to average 46.1 million dollars per year as opposed to the 46 million dollar average for Watson contract is worth up to 238 million through salary escalators there's 103.3 fully guaranteed signing. There's 160 in overall guarantees as far as I'm concerned. There's another 29.5 million in the latter years of Murray's contract that's not guaranteed for injury at signing that ultimately can become completely secure uh, to bring the total up to uh, 189.5 million. But part of the problem is that, in addition to his eagerness. The NFL PA, the NFL's had this uh, funding rule in the collective bargaining agreement where essentially you've got to put the bulk of future guarantees into escrow. That's guarantees which are not just for injury. And if you aren't a cash rich team, and the Cardinals clearly aren't, then that can be problematic for you. Uh, and really, it's you got to put seventy-five. You got to put seventy-five percent of the future guarantees, uh, full guarantees. Minus you get a fifteen thousand, fifteen million dollar break into a uh, into escrow. So you got a team which is family-run business to bid wells. They're not a cash-rich team. This is a team that couldn't even or wouldn't give Murray all the signing bonus in a lump sum. And we've seen that that happens um, on occasion. The teams are willing to give signing bonus payments in a lump sum. And the second overall pick in Murray's year, 2019, Nick Bosa, got a signing bonus paid in a lump sum. Saw so a third overall pick the prior year, um, Sam Darnold, get a signing bonus paid in a lump sum. We saw a uh, Trevor Lawrence in 2021 get his signing bonus paid in a lump sum. For Kyler Murray, he had a $23,589,924 signing bonus. $6,839,924 was deferred until the following March 1st. He didn't get it until March 1st, 2020. So, if this team can't even give you a signing bonus in a lump sum. How are they going to be able to stick all this money in escrow? Because teams have a cash budget and a uh, cap budget. So, to me, that was another sign that he wasn't going to get a fully guaranteed contract. Um, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And then if one of the conditions for you to sign a deal was this unique ill-fated uh, homework clause which is what it's loosely being called where you had to have four hours of independent film study each week that was going to prevent your guarantees from voiding. That was in the original Murray contract and it got so much attention publicly it was casting both the Cardinals and Murray in a bad light that it was removed a few days later uh, from the contract. So if you can't, if you were requiring him to have that, there's no way to me, you were going to give him a full guarantee contract. I don't think he was ever going to get one. Um, really the NFLPA to me, and I don't know what they prioritized in collective bargaining for the 2020 CBA negotiation talks, um, for the 2021 CBA, the deal signed 2020, I should say. Um, those negotiation talks. I don't know if, uh, eliminating the funding requirements was at the top of the list, but it seems like giving it still in there and it really shouldn't be in there because you don't have to worry about owners going bankrupt and not being able to meet payroll. That was the real reason it was put in eons ago. So to me, that's a big impediment to fully guaranteed contracts. Because what owner is going to want to have money in escrow for multiple players tied up because of fully guaranteed contracts? So that's always been an excuse that has been used by front office negotiators going back to when I was an agent. If I asked to do something, oh, can't do that. We have to fund it. And I know from talking to a former Um, team negotiator, um, several months ago, I asked him about the funding thing. He's like, oh, I had carte blanche to use that in his excuse whenever I wanted to and I didn't want to do something. So, to me, that is a huge impediment to fully guaranteed contracts. Now, I thought Russell Wilson was in the perfect position to get a fully guaranteed contract. His circumstances, that. You had the Broncos give a boatload of picks and players for him. Seattle got uh, Denver's 2022 20, and 23 first-round picks as well, as second-round picks in those years. Um, a 2022 fifth-round pick, and they got players: tight end Noah Fant, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, and quarterback Drew Locke. And it was Wilson, a fourth-round pick, going to Denver. He had two years left on his contract for 51 million. Typically. Teams don't do extensions before a player plays a year on a contract, and that's a mistake. The Broncos didn't make that mistake. So in addition to the acquisition cost, giving Wilson a ton of leverage, you had a new ownership group coming in. There's ownership group led by Walmart heir Rob Walton, and who bought the Broncos and the uh, approval was at that August 9th meeting. He's easily the NFL's richest owner. He has, according to Forbes, he has an estimated net worth of $63.2 billion that makes him the 17th richest man in the world, person in the world, richest person in the world. So you got an owner with deep, deep, deep pockets, so this funding rule isn't going to be a requirement isn't going to be an impediment or an obstacle. You've got this huge acquisition cost. So I thought if Wilson wanted to push for the fully guaranteed contract, he would have been in a position to get one even though he had 51 million dollars and 2 years left on his contract. Now, sometimes when you get a veteran who is on his second or third contract and Wilson has signed two veteran deals so this is contract four they start looking at things well i've made a ton of money i don't need to get every last thing i can get from the contract i'm going to use um matthew stafford as an example of that that i believe this is his one two this is his fourth deal and matthew stafford um signed a deal which predated by a couple of weeks the uh, Watson contract. Well, actually, about a week. And I thought at the time he had so much leverage given that they gave up multiple first round picks, shipped off their old quarterback Jared Goff to the Lions, and they won a Super Bowl in his first year that he could have just, Matt, that Stafford could have named his price. But he said, at, when, his, when he signed his contract, he just wanted something that was fair. So he signs for $40 million per year on a four-year extension, $135 million in total guarantees, when I thought he could have become the highest-paid player in the league and, worst case, second-highest-paid player. Um, they, the Rams made Jared Goff a tie for the second-highest-paid player when they lost the Super Bowl at the time he got his extension. And that was in 2019. I mean, yeah, 2019, I believe. So he clearly wasn't trying to fully exploit his leverage. And I think, and I'll never know because I'm not going to be privy to the proposals. That that's what Wilson did instead, and it did as well. Didn't fully exploit his leverage. Now, Wilson's contract is nothing to sneeze at, and I'm sure uh, the Broncos could go back in time given their record and how he's played they wouldn't do the contract but he signed a five year $245 million extension averages $49 million per year makes him second highest played player in the league behind Aaron Rodgers has $165 million in guarantees $124 million in fully guaranteed signing both of those marks because I'm counting um, Murray at 160 because I'm looking at what is guaranteed for injury it's signing that can become fully guaranteed not the Non guarantee, which converts to guarantee, so that's second in overall guarantees and second in the amount fully guaranteed of 124 million. So it's uh, not that Wilson sold himself short from a dollar standpoint, maybe he did from a guarantee standpoint because I thought this was the guy. And if he got a deal done this year, and there was no guarantee that would happen, because normally we've seen to the detriment of the team that they don't get the deal done in connection with the trade or before the guy steps foot on the field and plays an actual regular season game, and it costs them on a the long run. The way things are working out, this may have been the case where that wouldn't have happened, but he got market value on his contract, so to speak just not in the guarantees, just not taking advantage of what he may have, may have been able to do guarantee wise. Lamar Jackson's chance to get a fully guaranteed contract to me went out the window when Murray and Wilson didn't get fully guaranteed contracts. The Ravens in, in Jackson, who I said earlier is playing on a twenty three point million fifth year option had talks um, during uh, training camp, off-season training camp, and suspended the talks as Jackson said he would with his self-imposed deadline right before the start of the regular season. And um, that makes sense for Jackson because he's his own agent. doesn't have He's never had an agent. Didn't have one who was coming out of the draft. Still doesn't. Represents himself. And it'd be kind of hard to be talking contract and trying to prepare for a season after a certain point. So, as with um, Russell Wilson, it's not like they weren't willing to pay Jackson a market value deal. Um, he reportedly turned down a five-year extension offer worth $250 million, $50 million per year, with $133 million fully guaranteed at signing, which would make him the second highest paid player in football, the second $50 million per year player, and that he would have had the second most money fully guaranteed at signing. I don't know what the overall guarantees were in this reported offer. That never been disclosed. But it wasn't that they're not willing to pay Jackson. They're just not willing to go to the fully guaranteed contract thing. And that's really not too surprising, given the reaction Ravens owner Steve Bisciotti had Um, at the owners' meetings when asked about Deshaun Watson's fully guaranteed contract at the owners' meetings in late March. Um, He said, I wish they hadn't guaranteed the whole contract. I don't know that he should have been the first guy to get a fully guaranteed contract, uh, meaning the sexual misconduct and assault allegations which were surrounding Watson at the time, which hadn't been resolved. Those ultimately led to him serving An 11-game suspension for violating NFL's personal conduct policy, which he just finished serving and played his first game um, against the uh, Texans. Further went on to say, uh, to me, that's something that's groundbreaking. It'll make negotiations harder with others. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to play that game, you know. We shall see. Well, obviously, to me... The holdup is that Jackson wants a fully guaranteed contract. Ravens don't want to give it to him. So he's playing out the year. Negotiations are supposed to resume once their season's over, sometime in January if they don't um, get to the Super Bowl. If they win the Super Bowl (laughs) after he comes back from his knee injury, they might have to give him the full guaranteed contract. If not, somebody's going to either have to blink outside of that, or he's going to start playing the franchise tag game. And the franchise tag game is how uh, Kirk Cousins ultimately got his fully guaranteed contract. The Ravens aren't going to let Mar Jackson at the open market. Odds are they aren't going to put the non-exclusive franchise tag on him, which would entitle them to match offer sheets. And if they didn't, they would get two first-round picks as compensation. The price point for the exclusive and non-exclusive franchise tag are different. The non-exclusive would be, I believe, $32.455 million, like 14.42% of the cap. Um, and that's with a $225 million cap. That's what I've been using because teams have been using that as projections more so than the number I've gotten from when I've inquired to teams of what amount they're using to project for the cap, and usually they are on the side of caution, so it could be higher. Now, the non-exclusive version is calculated differently than that formula that spits out the uh, non-exclusive. The exclusive is what quarterbacks have gotten four out of the last five times that you put a tag on a quarterback, and that's been... Over the past 10 years. As part of the last five times it's been the exclusive one. You can't solicit an offer sheet. It's a closed negotiation with the exclusive version. But that number will be the average of the top five quarterback salaries. Which is basically salary cap numbers. Or some minor adjustments at the end of the 2023 restricted free agent signing period. That ends on April 21. Now, the day you put the tag on someone any restructure that wasn't done at that point is counts. Any restructure after, you go with the number of what the cap number was for a player who would still count. So if Dallas restructured Dak Prescott after the date of Lamar Jackson getting tagged, Dak Prescott's original cap number would factor into this calculation and obviously you got pay cuts releases which would um, factor in the equation players get released you have then they're out new deals which have a huge cap number they come in but right now that number projects to 45.248 million as i said subject to change so Maybe Lamar's got to play on one franchise tag. If he's hell-bent on getting a fully guaranteed contract, possibly going to the second one. Play on two. <laughs> then, let's say that number stays, doesn't change. The 45.248. 20% raise. Second year, you're talking $54,297,600. The second tag. Third tag would be 144% of... Second tag, then you're talking $78,188,544, two cost prohibitive. So, 23-24 tags, 2025, Lamar Jackson hits free agency. he get his fully guaranteed contract that way. That's how Cousins got his. And we saw in Cousins' case, he got his fully guaranteed contract, um, $84 million over three years, maxed out at ninety million with um, escalators and incentives. Nobody else followed suit. Matt Ryan didn't, became the first $30 million per year player, had 94.5 fully guaranteed at signing, 100 overall guarantees, first of 100 million overall guarantees, didn't fall suit. Then Aaron Rodgers became the highest paid player at $33.5 million, did not improve upon Ryan's guarantees, didn't get the fully guaranteed contract, window shut. So, Lamar's putting up the good fight, but it really, to me, he lost his chance to get the fully guaranteed contract in 2022 because of what happened with the guys leading up to him. Um, Carr wasn't interested in it. Murray never had a chance to meet. Uh, Wilson, I thought, was in a good position. I'm not sure why the NFL PA thought that the Watson contract was going to lead to fully guaranteed contracts. I've always thought teams would look at that as an anomaly unless you had a player who was willing to go to the mat like uh, Jackson seems to. And what we've seen so far is if you're dealing with your own team in a close negotiation, you're not getting one. If you have competition and Cousins was unrestricted, he was able to get one. Uh, Watson had multiple suitors trying to give him the waiver. No trade clause, quasi free agent to me. Got one, and only because Cleveland was eliminated and his agent played that perfectly. Collusion, something that is easy to allege, hard to prove. The NFL PA to me is going to need some sort of smoking gun, whether in That August 9th meeting, there's some leaked audio recording from some disgruntled front office exec that's no longer with the team between now and then, that has evidence of owners, executives talking about, oh, we have to band together and we're not going to do fully guaranteed contracts. I'd be surprised if that existed. Or you're going to need some sort of electronic communication text and or emails which gives you a paper trail of evidence of collusion between owners and team executives when regarding the fully guaranteed contracts. Now, I want to clear up something I didn't say earlier, and probably should have at the outset of the contest. When I'm talking fully guaranteed contracts, I'm talking veteran contracts. The entire first round of the NFL has fully guaranteed contracts, but that's the rookie system that's different, but we're talking veteran deals. You don't see them with veteran contracts now. If you had one of those two things, then you'd have your con- collusion and they get their desired relief. Um, I have a feeling that the way Kyler Murray and particularly Russell Wilson are playing, <laughs> Russell Wilson's played, I don't think he'd want to be declared a free agent and avoid his contract. Now, um, the relief that for Jackson, I presume since he has an expiring contract, it would be whenever this decision comes down to... If it's quick, and the NFLPA prevailed, prevent the Ravens from franchising him, so he'd be free or void his franchise tag, whenever that may be. But the one thing I would love to see, and this is never going to be made public, is what the initial proposals Murray and Wilson's agents made, respectively, to the Cardinals and the Broncos. Were they fully guaranteed contract proposals or not? Um... I suspect the original one for Murray, since he was trying to get a contract way back before the playoffs ended last year, wasn't for a fully guaranteed contract. Maybe be interesting to see what the proposal was, because he pulled it off the table when they restarted negotiations after Watson. Was that first one a fully guaranteed contract proposal? Then did Wilson Russell Wilson agent ever make a fully guaranteed contract to the Broncos and at what point did he concede the fully guaranteed contract if it was ever made because to me I'd be interested to see that, we're never going to know that because you never get to see what the proposals were during negotiation because they just don't play out in public like that, the only way you find out is if one side an agent or team leaks something in the negotiation and is normally not a full proposal but I'm skeptical about there being collusion on fully guaranteed contracts based on the dynamics of the people negotiating we're talking extensions versus someone who was a quasi free agent in Watson but well, we'll see if and when this thing gets resolved what the result is but I suspect the NFLPA gets denied relief well, that's going to do it for this week's uh, Inside the Cap. Uh, don't forget you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-L. And also read the regular CDSports.com column, Agent stake. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next time.